Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe conclude our basic theology series with a final discussion on the doctrine of eschatology and the millennial reign of Christ. We trust that you have been blessed by this series. We will be taking a short break for the summer, but we'll return in the fall with some new content. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines. I'm Pastor Joe Sorgen. Welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On today's episode, we will be looking at chapters 90 to 92 of Charles Ryrie's book, Basic Theology, which concludes his section on the things to come and concludes the entire book with a helpful summary of the millennium, future judgments, and our eternal destiny, which is a great way to end the book and end this <clears throat> series. So, uh, we've been talking about the last time about the, the rapture of the church. Before that, we were talking about the, the seven-year tribulation period. And now today we're talking about the next event in God's prophetic program, which is the millennium or the millennial kingdom of Christ. So what exactly is that? How would you summarize what this is about? Yeah, basically the, the millennial reign of Christ is the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ here on earth. And it's going to be... Uh, a theocracy is the the government that uh, will be taking place, meaning it is literally God, or in this case, it's God the Son, Jesus, uh, reigning over all the affairs of mankind. And uh, and it's th- this is summarized in several different places, talked about in several different places throughout the Old and the New Testament. Uh, and we've talked talked a while ago, just even about you know the covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and how that points towards this millennial reign this millennial kingdom of christ where again he will be reigning here on earth for a thousand years yeah so there's fulfillment of that especially the davidic uh, covenant of him reigning as a descendant of david on david's throne from jerusalem but also fulfilling all the other covenants as well that we talked about land and yeah and also so many prophecies that uh talk about this future earthly reign and um uh, going on and, and Israel being restored to their to her land and all these amazing blessings, which we'll talk about in a moment. But also, it really fulfills the creation mandate and what God was doing at the beginning, where he had uh, intended to make humans, and he did in, in his own image. And we were to be his co-regents on the earth, having dominion over the earth, being fruitful and multiplying and, and ruling and reigning in this paradise, right? And of course, sin... Uh, made that all disappear, right? And sin basically uh, caused humanity to fall and put a curse on the earth. But there always was still this thread of that was his intended purpose on this earth. How and when is that going to happen? How is that kingdom, we could say, of his uh, rule and reign going to be over the earth uh, completely again through humans? And really, the millennial kingdom is the answer that through the perfect man, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, and then all of those who are united to him by faith and who will, uh, who like him, as we said last, uh, talked about last week, be resurrected also and glorified with him so that we can rule and reign with him over this earth, right? Just as we, just as he originally intended. So it fulfills all of that. And uh, Revelation 20 is where. We're, we're kind of given in the chronology of, of Revelation after Christ's second coming, we're told about this and we're told that it specifically is a thousand years. And I'm just going to read that uh, just so that we can um, 
have that text in mind mm -hmm. as we then go on to look at a number of other passages in Old and New Testament that tell us what's what exactly is going to be going on and what we're going to be doing as believers during this time. So let me just read that. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God and those who did not worship the beast or the image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So there's this thousand years. Did you hear it? It's like, I think it's what, eight times? Yeah. A thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. I don't think he could be more, more um, clear that this is going to be a thousand years. And during that time, you, the other repeated word, reign, reign, reign. Christ is going to reign resurrected believers are going to reign with him and we're going to there's going to be this blessing and we're going to be like he says priests of god in christ okay so that's the essence of what this this millennial kingdom is but then so many other passages fill it out and, and we just want to take a moment to talk about that and specifically from the angle of what will it be like mm -hmm. to live in christ's coming kingdom on earth well in a word it's going to be amazing yeah um, <laughs> Uh, I, I preached a sermon back at Christmas and had talked about how, how crazy awesome it's going to be when, uh, when Christ is reigning on the earth, you know, uh, even, even just thinking of, of the theocracy of, of him reigning is something that's super amazing. You know, mm -hmm. we, we tend to, uh, you know, be usually oftentimes rightly critical of, of human governments and things like that. And, and uh, it can sometimes be prone to complain about this or that or the other thing, how they're dealing with money, how they're caring for people, uh, so on and so forth. There won't be any of that necessary at all during the millennial reign of Christ because he will reign with righteousness. He will be perfectly right. And we see this, one passage we see this is in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, where it's describing uh, the righteous reign of the branch who is Christ. So it says here, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. So again, we see this righteousness that he'll judge the poor. He, he'll be, he'll have equity. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness, the belt of his loin. So again, we see that word. He, it'll be a righteous reign. He will be a faithful, uh, a faithful uh, ruler. Uh, and then verse six talks a little bit more about what it's going to be like. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Mm -hmm. And so we see there, there's going to be this, this peace, this amazing peace, this prosperity, where the, the lion and the lamb are together. A child will play over, you know, the, the den of snakes, and a snake wouldn't even touch touch a child. There, there's this, this amazing peace, this amazing prosperity that's going to happen. And the most amazing thing, verse 9, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine? You know, obviously the world we live in right now is is not full of the knowledge of the Lord. Um, but one day it will be. And it's just amazing to consider what that'll look like, what that'll be like. It's going to be, again, in a word, just amazing. And we can we can look forward to that day uh, and uh, because it is just going to be such such an amazing time with a perfect king and uh, and to know that uh, that we will be reigning with him is such an amazing privilege as well yeah absolutely that just paints a great picture uh, of that time and uh, you know there's going to be as i mentioned before uh, fulfillment of promises and particularly promises to israel they will be finally restored possess their land the the promises of the abrahamic covenant and all the others that come through it will all finally come to pass through the new covenant where they will be given uh, a new heart and and uh, be uh, God's law written on their hearts. And, and Israel will have this prominent place. Again, they will be in their land, just like uh, is promised throughout the, the covenants and the prophets. And they'll be uh, particularly in Jerusalem. Jesus will be reigning, right? And David, it seems like, will also resurrected David will have a, a part in this as well. And there'll be a, a rebuilt temple we see. Uh, in, in Ezekiel 40 and 48, this millennial temple where there will be uh, the worship of, of the Lord and uh, in, in his own presence, the presence of Jesus. And then they will be a blessing to the nations. There's passages that talk about the nations coming and going and bringing their tribute to Jesus, uh, the king in the millennial kingdom and Jesus blessing them, but also ruling with a rod of iron, as we see in, in Isaiah, um, where there will be even at that time, uh, those who entered, as we talked about last week, in a, in a non-resurrected state, they will, believers, they will have children. Some of those children um, won't believe in Jesus, which is incredible. Like, it's incredible to know that there still will be some uh, who won't, and they'll rebel in the end with Satan, even though Jesus is present. Uh, but they will not be able to have that uh, a, 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 an evil influence because Jesus will be ruling and reigning perfectly from David's throne. Uh, we also know, as we saw in Revelation 20, that Satan is going to be bound. He will no longer be able to be roaring around like a lion seeking to devour. He won't be deceiving the nation. So there too, there will be this great um, spiritual life in, in, in amongst uh, across the whole globe like never before. And then all of these other physical blessings too. Uh, people will live in a, in a blessed uh, and really an enhanced environment. Isaiah 35, 1 to 2 says, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Uh, there'll be rain and food will be more plentiful than ever before. Uh, you know, we here in southern Saskatchewan, there's always this concern about drought. And that will not be a concern anymore. Isaiah 30 23 and 24 says, and he will give rain for the seed with which you sow the ground and bread, the produce of the ground, which will be rich and plent plentious. 
In that day, your livestock will graze in large pastures and the oxen and the donkeys that work the ground will eat seasoned fodder, which has been winnowed with shovel and fork. Uh, as you said, animals will live in harmony with humans. Uh, there'll also be longevity of life for those who, um, again, enter in with non-resurrected bodies. Isaiah 65, 20, no more shall there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be considered accursed. Isn't that amazing? Someone who uh, lives li dies at a hundred will be considered young, right? Uh, physical infirmities and illness will be removed. Isaiah 29, 18, in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall be. Uh, there'll be prosperity. There'll be joy and gladness. Uh, Jeremiah 31, uh, 12 to 14, they shall come and sing aloud on the heights of Zion and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine and the oil and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. That sounds so, so good. Because as we know, it's, it's so different from what we're experiencing uh, today. So th those are just a few examples. Anything else you wanted to add to that? Well... It's not necessarily anything that has to do with the, the millennium per se, but, you know, as we're listening to all these passages, uh, and I, I'm not trying to, to hurt anyone's feelings or anything like that, but I just have such a hard time, once again, not coming to a premillennial point of view, mm -hmm. um, understanding that the millennium is actually going to happen, because what do you do with these passages otherwise? Yeah. Um, and uh, and it just gives us so much hope for, for what's to come. Yeah, it certainly doesn't sound like anything we're experiencing now or anything no. we might experience as a post-millennial view would have it. And it certainly doesn't sound like the eternal state as amillennialists will often have it, um, that because there's gonna be people still dying and being born and, and those sorts of things. It only fits with a, a literal thousand year millennial kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Well, what difference should this make in our Christian lives today? I mean, you gave us one example already. It definitely gives us hope that as we see these corrupt, failing governments um, and leaders, I mean, inevitably in our time, that one day there will be a, a perfect, righteous king who will rule and reign. I, I know for me, something we were just joking about his staff, because I guess this is one of those hobby horses of mine that comes up a lot. But one of the things I think that the millennial kingdom does for me is it means that I don't need to have bucket lists. You know what a bucket list is? It's like, I have to do this thing before I die or I have to see this or go to this place, right? Well, as Christians, we're like, yeah, maybe there's some things I'd like to do, but I'll just do it during the millennial kingdom because I'm going to be here on earth and I'm going to be resurrected. So then, you know, something like skydiving, there's no chance of it going wrong, right? <laughs> um, for example, but, but also just, you know, all the places I want to see, man, I'm going to have a thousand years to go see everything I want to see or, or do the things I want to do, the hobbies I have, right? I've always dreamed about, uh, farming a small farm with horses. Now you might think, why is that a dream of yours? Well, it just is. And I don't want to go into detail, but <laughs> Uh, I'm allergic to horses, terribly allergic. And so that's just never going to happen along with also the fact that I'm a pastor, I'm not a farmer, but I'm looking forward to farming <laughs> during the millennial kingdom. And uh, I already have a few places in mind um, <laughs> that I might want to do that. 
But, you know, just all these things that we want to do on this earth, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to do it on this earth uh, for a thousand years. And uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And we can go visit places that right now you wouldn't want to visit. There's a lot of places I would like to visit that are very dangerous. And mm -hmm. so I wouldn't go there or bring my family there. But I'm looking forward to bringing my family to those places during the Millennial Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the other difference, too, just in general, based on what I already talked about and what you're saying here, is like something better is coming. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's just the general encouragement here. It's uh, it's a huge encouragement in the face of potential discouragement. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you could be, you know, if you really, really wanted to be a, a farmer who had horses, you could be really discouraged that you're uh, allergic or, uh, you know, and different things, you know, or you could just be really, really discouraged by uh, the, the state of the world right now. Well, mm -hmm. whatever your discouragement is, something better is coming and we can be encouraged by that. And I think that's just uh, generally a, a big difference that this can make in our lives today. Yeah. And it also explains and gives us um, hope that this yearning for utopia that everybody has mm -hmm. will one day actually be fulfilled. Um, you know, this yearning for utopia is basically why people get so caught up in different political and economic ideologies, because there's this idea that somehow if we just get the right political system, the right economic system, the right leaders, then somehow we'll be in some kind of utopia, right? And the reality is that's never, ever, ever materialized. And it never will because humans are fallen. We live in a fallen, cursed world. There's sin, there's the flesh, there's greed, uh, there's hatred, all of that prejudice. We're never going to be in a utopia and we have to give up that thought. But uh, on this earth, but we recognize, ah, but when Christ comes, we'll finally mm -hmm. experience that and that yearning will be fulfilled. Uh, by the way, it also gives us uh, clarity when we're praying thy kingdom come of what we're actually praying for. I mean, when you understand all of what we just talked about, all these blessings, all of this wonderful experiences that are going to be part of this millennial kingdom and then pray your kingdom come, we ha we can have that in mind. And I think that that just brings a new urgency. Oh, the kingdom come, right? We're longing for that. Well, there's, there's the millennial kingdom. Now there's one other thing that's going to happen. And uh, uh, at different times, that we want to talk about, and that's the future judgments, right? And uh, and Ryrie has a whole chapter on this. So uh, we know that there's going to be judgments in, in the Bible, and sometimes there's confusion about this. So what are these different judgments that we find in Scripture? Yeah, so maybe we'll just kind of walk through these one by one. And uh, one of the first judgments that we see uh, in, uh, in Scripture is the judgments uh, of believers, uh, and we often call this the, you know, judgment at the Bema seat of Christ. And this is actually a judgment of believers' works. You know, oftentimes, of course, today we know we're saved by grace, uh, by uh, through faith, not by works. Um, but yet we know that part of the, the reason we're, we should be urged on to do good works as believers now is because there is rewards coming. And that's what this Bema seat of Christ, <laughs> this judgment, ultimately is all about. Now we read about this in a few places, one being in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. I'll read this quickly. It says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. This is Paul talking about you know, laying the foundation of Christ. Let's mm -hmm. e let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work 
will become manifest for the day will uh, disclose it, being the judgment day, the, the day of judgment at the Bema seat, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So the idea here is of rewards. Our works will be judged. And, and this is very clearly just figurative language. It's not literally like our works are going before a fire or anything like that. Um, but uh, it's more just the the idea of do our works stand up or were they mm -hmm. just what were what was our motivation for doing mm -hmm. things all of that uh, if it's if it wasn't good well then they as it says here we will suffer loss loss of rewards not loss of salvation mm -hmm. but uh, we won't gain those rewards whereas uh those those works that we did that were truly good done with the right motivation well we will receive rewards for that and that will be uh really in an amazing thing mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, we, we see that there's rewards and there's also shame actually that can be involved in this because there will be shame when it's like, oh man, most of my works that I did are kind of, they, they ended up being kind of useless according to this judgment. But yet there's just this uh, encouragement of getting a reward like and, and knowing, oh, Jesus himself said I've done well. Mm -hmm. And that'll be an amazing thing. Yeah, I tend to think of the rewards in three different categories. One is commendation. So that well done, my faithful mm -hmm. servant. Uh, the other is crowns. People often wonder, what are these crowns that, uh, you know, Paul especially talks about? And those are clearly different rewards for different things. And those crowns then that we see in Revelation 4 or 5, the elders then are, are, are giving back in a sense, those rewards. So there's commendation, crowns, and then there's co-reigning. There's also seems to be these different levels of... Um, uh, authority and reigning that different people will have during the millennial kingdom. Even we see in Revelation 20, like the martyrs during the tribulation seem to have a special status. Now, no one's going to be jealous. There's not going to be sin anymore within the believers. And so, you know, sometimes people think, well, that doesn't really make sense because then are we going to be jealous of each other? No, well, we'll just rejoice because it'll all be God's grace done in our lives anyway. Um, but also sometimes people think like, well, why would God give us these these rewards. And, and if, if that's my motivation to be doing good works, isn't that kind of selfish? And no, A, this is what God has said to is true. And he gives it to us as motivation. But B, we're going to ultimately lay it down and praise him anyway, because we'll recognize anything good I did was because of your Holy Spirit living mm -hmm. in me. And so those are those are the, the rewards that will happen at the Bema seat. Um, and by the way, I just want to mention this because Joe and I both, well, I'm a Petra fan. His dad is a Petra fan. So he grew up listening. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, there's this Bema song called The Bema Seat, which is just an awesome Petra song. At the Bema Seat. Anyway, and that song actually describes this really well. So if you're interested, YouTube, check it out. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of the main uh, judgment. That'll be for all believers uh, from the beginning uh, up until the the rap uh, to the rapture all the believers will be at the bema seat now um that's sort of the main judgment now the other main judgment is going to happen after the millennial kingdom and this is the great white throne judgment in revelation 20. so do you want to talk about that yeah so basically uh what's going to happen at the at the great white throne is there's going to be the judgment of the those who are dead who are were not saved 
um, they will come before the great white throne. And, uh, and I'll just read it here, verses 11 to 15. And it says that there's these books that are open, the, the, the book of, of life will be opened, and uh, their names won't be in it. And, and as a result of that, uh, well, they, they will not be entering heaven. So this is what we read. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what is written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so this is, again, the great white throne judgment of the unsaved dead. Uh, as, as we read, death and Hades and the sea gave up their dead. And it doesn't say anything about, you know, those who are dead in Christ, anything like that, like we read in other places. And so we can uh, rightfully assume and understand that this is talking about those who are dead in sin and, uh, and are physically dead as well, who were given up and will be, will be judged and will ultimately, as we read there, um, not not be found written in the book of life and thrown into the lake of fire as a result. Yeah. So those are the two main judgments. And we would say one is for believers, one is for unbelievers. But there is sometimes the question, okay, but what happens to believers uh, during the tribulation? Because we know that there's going to be some who are uh, become come to faith during that time, and especially Jews. Um, what will happen to them? Will, will they be receive a judgment those believers will they um be rewarded as well and that's a little less clear but we do see in matthew 25 these judgments particularly the sheep and the goats which seems to be this separation between those who survive the tribulation years uh, before the millennial kingdom and there's a separation depending on how um people uh, their their faith in christ which was um, demonstrated through how they treated uh, particularly those in prison, those were poor, those were hungry, which many believe uh, is speaking about Jews, particularly though that 144,000, though, you know, that's not 100% clear. But anyway, there'll be that judgment. And at that point, it seems like then uh, the believers in the tribulation time period will be uh, receive their rewards and have their judgment. Ezekiel 20 seems to speak about this with happening, particularly with the Jews. Um, but really, the main point we want to make is these two main judgments between believers and unbelievers. And it's so important that we distinguish these because often we read these. If you don't understand that Christians can read some of these judgment passages and where it's talking about rewards, they think, well, oh, wait, believers are going to be judged. I'm going to have to stand before the judge. I'm going to have to stand before God. And he's going to say, well, let's see now. And it'll be based upon work. And it'll be based upon work. Yeah. So I'm going to see, am I going to let you in? Right? That's not the judgment. Um, the passages talking about the, the judgment of believers, it's never believers being judged. It's their works. Yeah. The judgment's been done. We, Christ was judged for us. That's That's finished, right? We've been justified, declared righteous in Christ by God. And so... It's not us who are going to be judged. We don't have to be afraid of that. It's our, our works. And yes, if, if we, you know, didn't have a lot of works, if we kind of um, 
wasted a lot of our lives and weren't living fully for Christ as we should have, there might be a little bit of shame, but ultimately there will be, we will still enter into the kingdom and there will be some semblance of rewards for something that we've, some fruit that we've had. And ultimately the joy will, will um, overshadow any shame. And so that's just really important so that we can have that sense of um, confidence that uh, we will not be judged. Christ was judged for us, but our works will be judged. And that's to be motivation for doing good works. And it just gives a greater level of assurance even today, right? You don't have to sit there wondering, oh man, like, am I going to be found in the book of life? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you will. Uh, and again, yeah. you're, you're judged based on on your works uh, in the or your works are being judged in the end. Yeah. Um, and it's for rewards, not for salvation. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, the final thing is our final <laughs> eternal destiny at believers. And that we find also chronologically in Revelation as we get to chapter 21. So the millennial kingdom is done, those thousand years. Um, Satan is, is released and then finally destroyed, thrown into the lake of fire with all of his demons. And then there's that great white throne judgment. All of that is finished. Um, there's only believers left. And what comes next? Revelation 21. Yeah. So Revelation 21, just reading a few verses here, talks about this this final eternal destiny. And this is what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no, no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so what is the final eternal destiny of all believers in Christ? It is to live eternally with God in the new heavens and the new earth. We will have for all eternity fellowship with God. What does he say here? He says, uh, my dwelling place is with his people. God himself will be with them as their God. We will be together with God for all eternity. There will be all types of, of abundance and, and fullness of joy because as a Psalm says, there is fullness of joy in the presence of God. And we will be in that presence forever in a way unlike we've ever experienced before in our life. We will have this abundant joy. There will no, no longer be any need to have any tears. Every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Death shall be no more, nor mourning or crying or pain. The old things have passed away and the new has come. And we will spend all of that time forever with our God. Mm. Yeah. And later on in, in Revelation 22, we read a bit more detail. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light for the lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Yeah. What an incredible 
ending that will be. Really, it's it's going back to the beginning. It's it's like the garden paradise. Uh, just as Adam walked with God, we will walk with God. We will be in his presence forever. And it says nothing, there'll be nothing accursed. So uh, this new heavens and new earth, it's like heaven and earth are going to come together. Uh, and there will be everything that on this earth that was cursed, everything that was not of God, as we read in 2 Peter 3, will be burnt up. Right. And uh, Romans 8 talks about the creation yearning for its redemption. It wants to be made right again. And that will happen. And we will enjoy all of this again on this new heavenly earth. And I think that's really important because there's this idea out there that as believers, we're going to spend forever um, in, in heaven in the sense of like the spiritual realm, right? Which is what we call the intermediate state where our souls go. Um, now, if we die before Christ returns and we're resurrected. And so there's this idea we're just going to be floating in the clouds, doing nothing all day. It's going to be boring, you know, that kind of thing. Just something beyond anything that's, you know, is close to what we experience now or beyond anything that's close to what humanity was meant to experience at the beginning in Genesis 1. But God made us in his own image and he made us specifically for the earth to have physical and spiritual life. And so we are not going to be floating around as ethereal spirits for all of eternity in some heaven place. No, we're going to be on the new earth, but everything will be perfect and we will be perfect and we will be with God forever. So I just think it's really important just to get that grasp because that, that makes what we're anticipating so much better because we have a taste of it. Like everything that's good here on earth will uh, be still be um, in the, on the new earth, but enhanced, and there will be nothing, uh, nothing like nothing of the curse. Um, you know, I've heard it said before, you know, there's this famous hymn, uh, this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through my treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The idea there is, oh, this earth, like ugh, earthly things, earth is bad, physical's bad. Oh, I can't wait someday to be in heaven, you know, somewhere beyond the blue, some spiritual realm. And the Bible actually says the exact opposite. Really, what we usually think of as heaven, the intermediate state where our souls go to be with God until the resurrection, that is what we're passing through. Really, what we should be saying is the heavenly realms um, that we're going to be passing through there and then coming back to our actual eternal home, the earth, renewed as the new heavens and new earth. And uh, we'll be able to enjoy that forever, which is why something like we said uh, earlier about the millennial kingdom and, and being able to do all these things we wanted to do on this earth. Well, in a, in a sense, we'll be able to do that forever and ever, but on a renewed, even more perfect uh, uh, earth in, in the eternal state. And so, I mean, I'm just so looking forward to that um, forever and ever, like that, those last words I, I read there too. I mean, that, that should just boggle the mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I like about that is there's a lot of things I, I'm very curious about many, many things. And I have a list of like hundreds of books that I really want to read and I just never have time to get around to or subjects that I would like to study. One thing I'm really excited about is being able to finally explore all those things um, in depth and actually be able to master like all the subjects I've always wanted to learn about. And I just have this image of like going to a, um, you know, in the new earth, a library, you know, just, and I love old, you know, sort of English Oxford style libraries filled with books, but the difference will be all of those books will be written 
by other resurrected people who had perfect, you know, who, who their knowledge was not mixed with error. Everything that they were learning was true. And so just being able to learn and not have to be like critically reading books, like, well, is this really true? But like everything I'm reading is true and then exploring. And uh, I'm just super excited amongst other things uh, about that. But it also reminds me of a friend of mine. Uh, she said, we were talking about this one time and she said something she's really excited about is getting to know other people who she's wanted to know in a deeper way, but not had time to do. And she said specifically getting to know men, because in this life, you know, as women we, and men, we need to be very careful about the relationships we have with each other other than our spouse. And we, there, it would be wrong to have a level of uh, just even just, you know, friendship that would uh, go too deep. And in the new earth, that won't be a problem. So we'll just get to know people really well and people from the past. I'm excited mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Say howdy duty to David and, and Peter, my boys from, yeah. the, from the Bible or, awesome. or like, you know, Augustine and Martin Luther and those guys too. others. Yeah. yeah it's going to be awesome. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'll be, that'll be great. It'll be like, so is this kind of like what you thought when you were writing Narnia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's good stuff and a good way to end as we consider that. And, and I think, I hope, especially this last section in the book would have us um, feel like mm -hmm. uh, John who says at the end, uh, uh, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. This is Revelation 22, 20. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. That's certainly my desire, my prayer. And I know it's yours too. And we hope mm -hmm. it's yours. And we hope that uh, this whole series has really more than anything made you love Jesus more uh, for who he is and for the gospel and long for his coming and to be with him, to be with the triune God forever. Amen. Yeah. Well, that brings us again to uh, the end of our nearly year long series through this book, Basic Theology. We trust you benefited from listening, whether you followed in the book or just took in the podcast themselves and are now blessed with a better understanding of the biblical doctrines of the Christian faith and the difference they should make in our Christian lives. And we would just encourage you to spur on, or we want to spur you on to, to continue uh, learning. And uh, we've recommended some different books along the way. And if you're part of our church and there's one specific doctrine that you'd like to maybe go deeper in, you can come ask us and we can maybe point out and recommend some different books. But uh, it's been a joy for us and uh, we hope it's been helpful for you. So until next season, we're going to be taking a break for the summer. So until the fall, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. See ya. So long.